Hello, welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about chapters 10 and 11 of Order of the Phoenix. And today we are joined by two really special guests. We have on Bayana and Robin from Hashtag Wizard Team. We are so excited. They were such an amazing duo to have on. And honestly, this episode is great. But that means we're doing some of the intro stuff here so that we didn't have to awkwardly do it in front of them. So first of all, we have some wonderful new patrons to welcome to our Patreon family so a tremendous thank you to terry an igloo size thank you to ida a joshua tree size thank you to jishua thingy a charlie size thank you to Chantel, who is a new producer level patron guys charlie paused for so long to think of something that just said her own fucking name and a mountain size thank you to melissa they have unlocked all the lovely bonus content that we have going up on our patreon at the moment we are back on actually uploading things bi-weekly hopefully it will stay that way <laughs> but there's some really cool vlogs up there at the moment we've done some video vlog video mm, vlog literally means video at the beginning i'm such an old person video but vlog. anyway if you want to like... see more of our faces <laughs> That's up on our Patreon. Why would anyone want that? I don't know. We also have a review to read out. This is from C.MV, who says that, honestly, I downloaded Apple Podcasts just to say how good you guys are. I've listened to the podcast top to bottom. And how many errors did I find? None. So happy for you. Congratulations on your existence, by the way. Maybe celebrate with a good old drink. A faithful listener, Kaylin. (laughs) I'm very sorry, Kaylin. I'm not good with like Irish names. I assume it's I'm not Irish. good with. This let's is face it. I'm just not... like uh, I'm actually from, and it's pronounced yeah. like this, and we're like, oh no. Yeah, I'm not good with any names. Like, let's be real. But I love this review, and I love this review because. They say that they didn't find any errors and I really want to know what they class as an error because I know for a fact that there are many things that me and Hannah have said that just fucking are wrong. backwards and untrue. Or and just, just wrong. like, we just missed the point. We're just listening. I edit back like, what the, what the, for God's sake. <laughs> anyway, onwards with the episode, welcoming our guests from Hashtag Wizard Team. They were wonderful and I really, really hope you guys enjoy this episode. So today we are joined by two very special guests. We have Bayana and Robin from Hashtag Wizard Team. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you for having us. We always, we always say it at the same time. <laughs> no problem. How are you both? I'm excited. You like chose, or we, we got on, I don't know how it was. It's very kismet, the chapters we're about to read and who I am as a person. So I'm very excited <laughs> to be here and to That's yeah, great. do this. And this is my favorite book of the series, so yeah. I'm very excited. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite book, but this is my favorite chapter of my second favorite book of the series. So I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm chuffed. <laughs> Sli- <laughs> <laughs> chuffed, good word. Love it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I won't do it anymore. No, please. Please, please do. More. do. Please do. We do please. have a lot of American guests, so a lot of the time it is like a lot of Americanism. So if we can convert you, that would be excellent. Yeah. I'm like halfway there already. Yeah, like I was going to say, it's not going to take very much to get her yeah, there. I'm like halfway there. <laughs> give me a, give I mean, me a reason to move to a, the UK. First important question What are your two's houses, Hogwarts houses? Oh, Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. 
about a duo. Yeah. We're very different, though. She is, I, I would say that she's very much a, like, bookish. And then I am very much a Luna Lovegood Ravenclaw. So I'm, I'm a big old weirdo. I love that. And I can't remember anything. So I would always be locked out of the common room because not, I just, <laughs> riddles. I have to pee. What do you mean? Um, so... <laughs> Please let me in. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second important question is, as it is guest alcohol choice, what are we drinking today? Rosé. Really? This is because our house, like, Robin and I live together. We're also related. I feel like we like to preface with that because of the way that we interact with each other. It's like, <laughs> it's like we literally, like, we share blood. Oh, uh, like, genetics. <laughs> Me and Charlie often have to preface the opposite. We're like, we do not live together. We are not a couple (laughs) and we are not related. (laughs) So yeah, so we're related, but we drink a lot of wine in our house, but I like red wine and Robin likes white wine. So we were like, and this is a good wine. But I mean, as a, as a house, as a house, yeah. As a house, yes. we drink a lot of wine. And anytime there's no wine in the house, it's a very sad day. So we were like, well, we can do wine because that's easy. And like, if there was any leftover, there isn't. But if there was, somebody would drink it. Yeah. But yeah, but this was our compromise because... And because of our the preferences time, too, the it's like, it's actually, it's 2 p.m. here. So I'm like, I'm not trying to have like a whiskey at right. 2 yeah. p.m. <laughs> No, I am enjoying this rosé. I don't know much about rosé, but I picked one up from the supermarket. It's very nice. Yeah. So let's get into chapter 10, Luna Lovegoods. Let's just jump straight into it. So it is back to Hogwarts morning and the house, the Grimmauld place is absolute chaos. Mm -hmm. They find out they have to go with a guard to King's Cross and Sirius insists on going in dog form. I love this because like if they would have just planned it better like that would have been totally fine right? Like one everyone would just be like okay this is Padfoot, Snuffles, whatever (laughs) and it makes sense right? Like Voldemort is back people know that. We got Harry he's coming with an armed guard and now we have a dog a canine dog like it it didn't need to be a dramatic thing had no and plot and this is how all like really fun things happen in in books and and stories in general but like just talk just say it just say i'm coming here's the plan yeah Oh, just like if you want to be less conspicuous it's london put the dog on a lead right people are gonna notice less I mean, Sirius wouldn't love that, but just do yeah. it. Just do it anyway. Or maybe he would. Yeah. Hey, we're not here to judge. <laughs> I'm not kink shaming, but you know, maybe there's a reason that his animagus thing is a dog. So they walk the 20 minutes to reach Kring's Cross on foot, which we can confirm, Charlie, that filming location was almost exactly a 20 minute walk from King's Cross. Mm, yeah. So we recently did our merch photo shoot and we went to some of the locations that mm-hmm. Harry Potter has filmed at and the the house where Grimmauld Place is filmed, it really is a 20 minute walk away from King's Cross Station because we then walked there to do the next shot. That's wild. Did we, because we went to, um, we went to London, yikes, this was like, <laughs> Like time passes so fast. Now it was like five years ago, but now I'm like I don't think we went to Sirius's house, which is it's like, it's, 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 no. it's just a street. It's just a street. Yeah, like did, there is nothing special about it. Walking tour. Remember, we went to a bunch of places where we were like I guess, and we just yeah, that's going. true. But but I just I guess like in my head I remember like the Ministry of Magic entrance. We like did yeah. the tour on our own. So like, but it was funny because we like ran into people who were like doing the actual like paid <laughs> tour. Like, watch this group walk go by and it's just the two of us like, oh cool, I see the door. That's, that's cool. 
that's like us. So we were doing the this photo shoot for our merch, but like the first occasion was the Ministry of Magic entrance, and we were like shooting things, and then we noticed just this child in robes just watching us, and we were like, oh god, there's actual children like looking around these locations. Yeah, it was like we got to King's Cross, and we were like, well, if we could get past to the like the turnstiles, it would be right there. <laughs> yeah, we just like looked at it. And we were like, there like, it is. I see it. <laughs> we were also just like very like. They, you know, they have like the the store in King's Cross Station, and like we did, yeah. we waited in that line, and then when we went to get our pictures, they were like, "Run, jump, have your wand out," and we were like, we, "Why would we do that? That's against the statute of secrecy." <laughs> They're like, you should like, jump, and we're like, no, no not doing that. Kind of <laughs> just take my picture. <laughs> take my picture. That is so Ravenclaw. I love that. <laughs> the note that I had about the location was so something we picked up on when we kind of read the original um, Grimmauld Place chapter was the fact that it said that it's like a rundown street. We kind of had like a big, me and Hannah, and like massive. Like, not even Birds. just geography, but just, like, <laughs> we love to actually be quite critical about J.K. Rowling's depiction of Britain. Mm. Because most, I mean, pretty much all Harry Potter podcasts are American. So we're like, this is our USP. No one else talks about it. And also, like, <laughs> we just get very angry about it. We had this big, long discussion about whether, realistically, in London, in 90s, Grimmauld Place would be run down. And I think this this is kind of further evidence that maybe it wouldn't be because... If it's within a 20 minute walks from King's Cross, that's like going to be quite a central posh area, mm. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but then still, wherever you are in London, whether you're in a central posh area or not, you get pockets of streets that are just, that are really run down. Like where I live, the, the street itself is quite nice, but you go one street back and it's really rough and really run down. It just depends what's been, who lives where and what's been modernized. I guess, but I feel like that close to King's Cross, like. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I also just like, I don't, I don't get why this like big, massive, snooty, like wizarding, ancient wizarding family is supposed to live somewhere run down. Mm, yeah. Like I get that it, it becomes run down because they're not in the actual house, but I don't get why the street would be. Itself. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. That, that to me. Yeah. So they're all late and they all rush to get on the train. Ron and Hermione have to go get their prefect instructions, which leaves Harry with Ginny, who in this book is like, yeah, I'll sit with you. Like she doesn't go and sit with her friends, yeah. which is I mean, nice this is to see. one of the things too about like this book is like, obviously Harry and Cho is like the main focus of this book, but like there are a couple of moments between Harry and mm. Ginny that if like they don't have to like each other now, but if like they were actually friends, what, yeah, like for like if if it actually like gave you some like a moment where you're like, oh, okay, they're like hanging out, they think about each other, they like support each other, and not in just like random moments where Jenny happens to be remembered like as a character, like yeah. if the, like these like like that moment, and then there's like another one later on, I think, where it's like, okay, I could see like you could see something building for the next book, but like instead, this yeah. is just like a one off thing, and then like the next. There's- thing is one moment where it does like Jenny does something and I'm like oh I see from her point of view but like Harry just is oblivious obviously (laughs) but also JK Rowling doesn't like drive that point home you know what I mean like because this is also I think where Jenny could be like 
I like this boy. He's not liking me back. Okay, I'm going to move on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think also, like, it's almost like she doesn't need to drive it home because it is one of these things that you pick up for on these second and later readings where you're like, oh, actually, like, one of the criticisms of book six is the romance comes out of nowhere. And in some ways it does. And in some ways it's badly written. But I think there is quite a bit of evidence in book five of moments they share where she almost gives him support that Ron and Hermione don't and she's just there as a friend which is really nice to see yeah and I wish that would be like developed more or like at least like you know like more explicit I guess where like the book is clear like knows that that's what's happening because sometimes it just feels like she writes things and she didn't really think through what that like means or like what you know what I mean like what it could say and it oftentimes could help her point for later on but she just kind of didn't think about it so yeah it's definitely like that moment where I was like okay like something it doesn't have to be like personally I love a slow burn so it doesn't have to be like uh oh they're like (laughs) they go together now it doesn't have to be that but at least them having some kind of relationship that's being built here before he even thinks about her in like a romantic way yeah I I think it's also like quite in character for Harry like we talk about a lot he is the least observant person in the world (laughs) like he only thinks about himself and i think that he does kind of form this attachment to cho because like he's quite frankly thinking with his penis um but like he just doesn't think about Ginny long enough at this point like he kind of has her in this bracket of oh like she's my you know friend's younger sister so like no and he doesn't actually spend any time thinking about her he's just like me 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 Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah i think also i actually have an interesting fact about this as well oh god (laughs) Charlie hates when I do this. So um, I went to an exhibition in the British Library, which was all of loads of different artifacts to celebrate the 20 year release of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And one of them was J.K. Rowling's like plan for Order of the Phoenix. And there are two interesting things about it. And it was like this handwritten scribble plan. One of them was that Order of the Phoenix and Dumbledore's army swapped names. So the Order of the Phoenix was meant to be called Dumbledore's army and the kids one was meant to be called Order of the Phoenix. And it was only in the editing process that she swapped them around and like swapped the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And she had written out like these things like, oh, where does she want Ron Hermione to be involved? And she had written out like where she wants the romantic interest to be involved and in the romantic interest column she had put Cho and Ginny so she clearly was trying to pepper it in in this book but just didn't quite do it for a second I thought you meant is in like lesbian couple and I was like yes (laughs) do it Honestly, that could have been the move because why are you so hung up on Harry? He he really yeah. is not bringing like, much to the table. Like like he just... <laughs> but yeah, no, I love that because like I write things and have been like try like I guess the process of things. it. I write things. <laughs> the process of it is always interesting to me because like there can be all those like little things in the editing process that like you initially intended and then you're like oh it doesn't actually make sense because like yeah why would you call the order of the phoenix dumbledore's army like that's not subtle at all <laughs> it's so yeah, no. <laughs> so like flipping that makes sense and, like it's a very like childish name and so it makes sense that that's what mm. the children came up with yeah and like romance wise i mean it's unfortunate i guess <laughs> like <laughs> it's been planned this whole time and then you just kind of couldn't really land it but that's okay 
I mean, it's not, but whatever. It's done. It's not her strongest super romance stuff. So they bump into Neville on the train and Ginny insists they share the only carriage they can find with someone she calls Looney Lovegood. And this stuck out to me because, like, Ginny spends the later half of this book and then book six being like, don't call her Looney, don't call her Looney. Mm Which I know at this point she's in her year, but she isn't really friends with her. But she says, oh, don't worry, it's just Looney Lovegood. I'm like, yeah. I didn't expect Ginny to say that. Yeah, I, I marked that too because I felt like it was really mean and like sets Luna up so that like the audience, but also Harry and Neville are like, this girl is, I mean, you look at her and she's different, right? But like, it just sets it up in a negative connotation as opposed to like, oh, this girl looks kind of cool or interesting, like, finally someone with like a different sense of fashion or a different sense of self right like you could harry someone who has not grown up with magic and still at this point it like loves new magical things could have been introduced to luna and like been like she's awesome like you know what i mean like this is what a really like steeped in magical kid looks like but yeah it sets it up negatively I almost like the fact that the reader is set up to find her weird and then you break that down as you get to know her because it makes you question like, it almost makes you internally question, why do I find people quote unquote weird when I first look at them? Like what is making me think that when they are a good and a nice and a kind person? Like it almost makes you question your own sense of, especially when you're a child reading this, Mm -hmm. how you interpret people. Yeah, I have my like own personal like headcanon about Ginny and I think that the way I see it that like she's had her first few years at Hogwarts and like she's not really been involved in like the trio and you know none of her brothers have really like obviously they talk to her but it's not like she's friends with them and I think that she had to go off and make her own friends and I see her as like the it girl the kind of like you know not really really mean girl but a little bit of a mean girl and like she's like the popular like pretty one and like maybe she does like shit on other people a little little bit and I think it's this book when she actually starts to get accepted more by like her older brothers and by Harry and Hermione and she starts to develop those friendships that she starts to unlearn those Mm. kind of behaviours and then actually like I see this book as you know maybe this is why she calls her loony here and stands up for her later because she's like unlearning a lot of her like own behaviour as she becomes Mm. more accepted and doesn't feel like she has to like try so hard for acceptance Yeah, I I could see that. And I also feel like that would be interesting to see. I feel like we just keep hearing that, like, Jenny's popular, she's this, but then, like, Harry is never, like, we we still don't know, like, we're just told that. We don't actually get to see what that looks like for her. And I feel like that'd be really cool to see how, like, how that works for her and then how she kind of grows within that. 100%. Because I also feel like this book is really, like, her and Hermione have been friends, but this book is also really a turning point in her and Hermione's friendship, mm-hmm. and that might play into that whole thing. So that would be something, if Harry was more observant, <laughs> we right, would, yeah. would be interesting to know more about. Yeah, because God forbid we get any female character development outside of, like... Well, no, there is none. None. <laughs> I also found it so odd thinking about Luna being introduced in this book. She is such a major character. She becomes what is known as like one of the top six. Mm -hmm. And she isn't introduced till book five. But then I started questioning and I was like, actually, that's kind of realistic in in like a school way. Because you don't meet everyone you're friends with in your first year of school. Like that's absolutely ridiculous. You get to know people through different classes and la 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 la. So like I was questioning it then I was like no I'm not friends with any of the people I was friends with in year seven but I'm friends with the people I met when I was 16 17 like this makes a lot more sense yeah I'm also laughing at like 
the idea that like when we meet Luna, like readers at large found her weird. And meanwhile, me, a Luna Lovegood Ravenclaw was like, I love her immediately. <laughs> was like, she's out of place. I I see it. I am her. Yeah. I mean, I think I've always, I think My- I liked Luna from the beginning. I was like, ooh, there's a lot going on with this girl. But like, she seems like, she seems weird. Like they're telling me she's weird and she's reading this like magazine upside down. But you know. She seems cool. <laughs> yeah. So they're at, then in the carriage and Neville shows Harry a rare cactus thing. I wrote in my oh, notes, yeah. OG plant boy. I was just feeling the 2020, 2021 millennial plant vibes right now from Neville. Yeah. Oh my God. Neville's TikTok is amazing. Yes. <laughs> oh man. He is like, look at my new plant. I named him LaVar. LaVar. <laughs> I would have fancied Neville so bad. Oh, God. I can just imagine him in his room with like loads of like trailing ivy and he's making TikToks on like how to keep your plants alive when there's little light and where you should put them. Like, oh, I'm feeling it. Okay, now, yes, I also would have. Oh, I would have also fancied Neville. Who who gave you that little aloe, Charlie? Um, Your mum. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's genuinely was her mum. It was my mum. Technically, my mum grew it from an offshoot of my aloe, so it's a whole circular thing. Mm, Your aloe that I think I helped kill with some disarano. No, no, you threw disarano on my bonsai tree. That was it. (laughs) In tree. I also we- then, after calling Neville an OG plant boy, called Harry a dismissive, stupid jock because he's like, oh, Neville's weird. He's got a cat. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. shut up, Harry. You don't Neville know has interests outside my own. He doesn't just like sport. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Neville. <laughs> I hate Harry. <laughs> this, yeah, this chapter in particular definitely is like Harry's shallow moments it, it's all in this chapter pretty like yeah. it's not it's not that he's like never been shallow before but it's just kind of like all comes to a head in the chapter where it's like yo like yeah yeah because then one of his worst mind moments come up so neville pokes his cactus and to be fair gross stinky liquid goes everywhere and then at that precise moment obviously cho walks right. in says hello quickly walks out and harry's like oh i wish i could have been sat with cool people <laughs> I did write though that this Harry. is like very high school behavior because like even uh-huh. I do remember like I like had this crush it's embarrassing um Uh-oh. but I'm also vindicated I had this crush on our like high school quarterback who then went on to be like and is still an NFL professional quarterback so like a little vindication oh. but like I knew <laughs> early on but I loved my friends and we were definitely the weirdos right and like I didn't like high school I was very much like I'm just here so I don't get fined like I'm a college person I just have to get (laughs) through this time so that I can go to college university and find out my true self right like I'm I'm not meant to be a child or a teenager not where I shine. I am hearing oh so gosh. many Ravenclaw vibes right now. I'm overwhelmed. But I do remember, like, having this crush on this this jock. And also, one half of my brain being like, this is very high school behavior. And the other half of my brain being like, I need to be cool and collected and calm. And, like, yeah. my best friend, she still laughs at me about this. I used to, like, throw my food at her when he would walk around. So, like, I didn't, like... Being seen eating was uncool. I don't know what that was. What oh is my. that? Like, it's lunchtime. I'm hungry. 
And she's like, he must have thought, I, he probably didn't think about us at all because I never talked to him. That was also very important. Like, I never, <laughs> we had like two classes together and I probably said like three words to him my entire like high school career. But it was very important for me to always be like, cool or put together when he would like walk by and like my friends would be would be like listening to our music and I will to this day love and sync and we would be like talking about in sync or talking about fallout boy it was you know whatever and the switch would turn off and I'd be like <laughs> we are very sophisticated and put together <laughs> and then he'd walk by and I'm like whatever but like so it was, yeah, it's yeah. a very high school behavior, and I, like, appreciate that of Harry. It just also feels like I wish that... And I think we kind of get to it later in the books, and then definitely when, like, we start doing, like, the slug club and stuff like that, where he just starts to be like, nope, these are my friends, and they are who they are, but, yeah. like... Well, like, yeah, because yeah. I think in the next mm-hmm. next year, when they're on the train and he's with Neville and Luna, Luna. I think it's, like, and- Ramel Devane is like, you don't have to sit with them, and he's like they're my they're friends cool. they're so. my friends so he like definitely yeah. gets there I think, I think for me it's always funny watching this because or like reading this part because i'm like hermione and ron aren't that cool like yeah you probably would exactly. be like drenched <laughs> in like cactus juice or whatever but like it's not like you <laughs> hang out with the coolest of the cool like you're just yeah like, <laughs> but i still think too like i like this because he he says he would have liked Cho to discover him as a group of very cool people. But I'm like, who he are those think people? Ron and Hermione are very cool either. Like he's like, right. no. but also I'm trying to figure out like who are these cool people? Like I just, I think it would be like are... Lavender and and Parvati and like he doesn't even like Dean. them. It's Dean so funny. is blown up at this point. Dean is the, is the coolest of the cool. <laughs> yep, that's true. And then that's the other thing that I like about the way this is written. He doesn't know who the cool, like, I don't know, just a, very, a group cool of people. very cool people. I haven't met them at Hogwarts yet, but I am there. But I know they exist. No, you're right. I think it is actually like really realistic of that journey you go through at this kind of age, like 15, whatever, where you're, there's part of you that's like desperate to be cool. And I do remember this being like, I've never been cool. I want to be cool. And then like, I got to like 17 and I was like, those cool people would never support me like these are my friends and they support me mm-hmm. and they're not weird they like i love them and they love me and that's the only thing that matters yeah. yeah yeah or if you're me you develop a life hack where you spend like your entire teenage years being like the nerdy weirdo and then you discover that actually if you just dye your hair really bright silly colors people just assume you're cool without speaking to you <laughs> so now i mean I, my hair is more normal right now but it's normally some like bright color and honestly it is a life hack people ask no questions they're like you're so cool and it's like i run a harry potter podcast <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, it's like, really? cool. Am I? Stop well, saying I mean, it's I cool, but... too, As you get older, you realize like what it actually makes someone cool is just like being very accepting of who they are. Like, right. I, yeah. I think about this all the time. Like my older cousins and stuff. Like when I was growing up, they made fun of me. They would like ditch me at every turn. Like they like. I was definitely like the odd one out in the black sheep, and now they're like, "Oh, you're doing such a, like interesting things, and you're so like." cool and you you do all these things and I'm like I have a podcast about the book that you used to make fun of me about liking I talk about nerd stuff that used to make fun of me about watching Mm. I have not changed in any meaningful way except for the fact that I no longer feel shame about the things that I love and how I love them right and I think that that's actually and you know Harry gets there eventually but that's actually is the factor that makes someone cool it's like you just stop feeling shame about it and start being like yep Because, you know, 
I think I grew up with like a lot of sports people and stuff like that. My brother is like a huge sports nerd. And like there was one time we were we were watching something and he was like, oh, yeah, so and so from the 1974 Lakers, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that's nerdy as hell. (laughs) Like the fact that you just like know that. But somehow that's like acceptable nerdiness. Whereas me telling you like the backstory and history about like Harry Potter and like his birthday is odd you know what i mean it's like it's the same thing really yeah yeah a hundred percent like i think something that i really love about gen z at least from being like outside observing gen z is that they seem (laughs) to have like more of like a culture of like coolness is like having your thing and your like hobbies and your like areas of interest and your like quirks obviously not 100 percent. i'm sure that loads of them are still like awful and bully each other for that stuff but it does seem like there's massive like communities on tiktok and stuff all about like you know, if your thing is loving plants or if your thing is loving, I, I don't know what else Gen Z like aside from plants. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, it, it seems like having these, like, really intense, like, areas of interest and hobbies, like, seems to be, like, cool now. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, I was born in the wrong generation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So after Harry is embarrassed about being covered in cactus juice, <laughs> Ron Hermione comes... It is a bit valid. <laughs> like, it is, you know, yeah, it, like, I... I feel I, I do There's feel like it. There's two things where it's like, okay, maybe don't be like, oh, these people are so uncool. But also, like, what happened is uncool. Like, nobody wants to be. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, like, to be fair, I would be mad. At least they have magic to clean it away, right. and they don't have to like go shout. Oh my god, that's just reminded me of the time where I was walking home and a bird shat in my hair, and I was just like, <laughs> no. why can't I just magic this away? There is bird shit in my hair, and I had had a bad day at work, and, and I was there were loads of people behind me that could see what had happened, and I had to continue walking home. There was nothing else I could do. I had to continue walking the fifteen minutes oh home with god. just a bird shit in my hair. At least you cried. were going home. Imagine if you were going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going like oh, to work God. or something. Mm. I've had some of those like really deeply embarrassing moments a lot of times involving not rose, but like drinking. <laughs> um, not as classy. Um, <laughs> but I think that the thing that is also really great about it, I remember one time in college, not my house, thank the Lord, but one of my friends' houses, their dog found and killed a skunk and so he skunked no. himself and then like freaked out about no. it and ran through the house so the oh house like we had to do this whole like all hands on deck thing and it was one of those things that I was like this is hilarious <laughs> because it's I don't I can come and help and then like go home but like right. also it was, like <laughs> awful and I can imagine if like the you know, person that you have this crush on and you've built up in your head, like, walks in a minute after your dog, dog just ran through your house with, like, dead skunk. <laughs> like, you being like, this is... This is not what I... Yeah. <laughs> very yeah. Mean. But then Ginny's just, like, does a little magic and it's right, all and gone, like, so it took, wizards it have it better. days, weeks, even, oh, oh like, the muggle way. So, like... That's God. awful. Like Bayana said, like, this is not the best time for the show to show up. I mean, it's very... It's understandable. Yeah, yeah. it's very, like, sucky that he believes, like, oh, these people are deeply uncool. But it is a deeply uncool situation that she stumbled... Moment that she stumbled upon. So Ron and Hermione come back and we learn... They're like, yeah, yeah, the new prefects, la, la, la. It's a boy and girl from each house. Which, like, I know it's just repeating the classic British school stereotype. Like, I do know that in the 1990s. But I was just like... 
why? What if there are two girls who are top of their class would be best I mean, for it? Like, would, that makes no sense. I don't know if y'all talked about this already, but Ron being made prefect is literally, like, that is a failure of education, and Dumbledore honestly needs to be under review for that, because in what world <laughs> is Ron... I have a lot of opinions like, about this. Some of them, Some of them I disagree with you. We did go into it a bit, and we're going to go into it more, but... I just feel yeah. like he... I have feelings. I think that he could like not say that he could mm. not be a good prefect i just feel like he has not proven himself to get the position like and then he Definitely. doesn't like really rise to the occasion either like i don't know it just it just felt like dean could have been prefect and it <laughs> yeah we have like this big like make dean prefect um 1995 like campaign we very much but now i'm like thinking about like neville sitting here like neville yes deeply uncool accident prone but like the one time he did get in trouble was because he was trying to stop his friends from breaking a rule that's true he likes herbology he likes his classes like neville could have been a prefect and he's like sweet yeah. and like mm-hmm. genuinely kind-hearted like neville would have been a better choice than ron no one would respect but also, neville, but... but also we're only going through the boys right now and hermione obviously gets prefect whatever but why isn't parvati also up for prefect like right. it just irritates me that if there's two good girls or two good yeah. boys one of them is cut mm-hmm. out or if there was anyone god forbid non-binary what do they do that part like they're just they're just sol like that's just not gonna happen but the thing is like i i'm whining about this and then i'm like this is just hogwarts is based off the archetypal like british boarding school and this is what they're Mm. like so so we find out malfoy and pansy have been made the slytherin prefects that's even like what in what world is malfoy a prefect like i just in the world in which snape gets to choose right like that's the thing is like who gets to choose these things like i feel like the heads of houses choose the prefects and then dumbledore signs off on it and like yeah I'm more upset because McGonagall should know better. But in the world in which Snape is the head of Slytherin House, like, yeah, this tracks. I feel like it's Dumbledore doing it purely because I feel like Dumbledore would just do it for the drama. Like, I feel like (laughs) something we discuss a lot is like a lot of Dumbledore's decisions just don't make sense. Yeah. And, like, he is an awful headmaster. And I, I genuinely see, mm-hmm. like, Dumbledore is, like, making a lot of his decisions and stuff just, just to make drama. Like, he must be so bored. It's he's not just... like he's a head teacher that also teaches. <laughs> what is he doing all day? I, I genuinely Hunting think... Hunting Horcruxes? <laughs> barely. But, like, and only in the later books. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like he's bored. I feel like he enjoys a bit of drama. I feel like he sat down and was oh, like, yeah. what is the most chaotic combination of prefects? Right, I'm going to fuck with Harry's self-esteem a bit by not giving him it. I'll give it to Ron instead because that will really burn. And I also know that I can really stir up shit between Hermione and Ron. <laughs> if one, I give it to Ron, which makes Hermione react badly. And he's then make like them a, spend loads um, of time together. Maybe in the prefect's bathroom. Spicy. He's like a producer an editor on a reality tv show (laughs) exactly this this is how i see him because he's he 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 is incompetent and inappropriate and just awful as a headmaster and just should have been removed like honestly Mm -hmm. like someone get offset in there yeah so like that's how i that's how i see dumbledore like he is like you said like brilliant we're putting it a reality tv show producer not a headmaster and then you know he makes Mm -hmm. it draco because 
that's just going to cause the ultimate amount of drama. Like, yes. it's genius. He's a genius. Oh, mini plug um, that Bayana won't do herself. Bayana wrote, we have a fiction project called Hogwarts BSU. And Bayana wrote a series Ooh. called the Real Hog... I did do that. Real House Students of Hogwarts. I and it's in that. the vein it's, of, like, the Real Housewives it's on our franchise. Website. I don't know if it's, you guys... Oh, don't my God. Where is it? I need it. I need um, it in my life. And she did, yeah. like, a reunion special in which Dumbledore was the host. And he was very messy. So... <laughs> I honestly keep forgetting that I did that because it was, like in 2020 and so you know in terms of like how time moves like in my head like it, once it was out i it like completely left my brain and then every once in a while yeah. like our twitter like robin will schedule like a tweet to go out and i'm like that did happen <laughs> i did do that <laughs> okay so that will be linked below for everyone because i, I also to need that. to read this it's silly and like wonderful and very I much, need I, it. I, I like want to just like highlight like there's a reunion part. There's like I think it's two parts. There's a, it's two parts, and Dumbledore plays like the Andy Cohen like host okay. of the yeah. reunion, and it is perfect. Love <laughs> that sounds absolutely brilliant. So Harry asks to read Luna's magazine after seeing an article about Sirius in it. The article is just batshit crazy. It's like, Sirius is a singer in a band. He went on a date with me. And Hermione mm. then like is like, yeah, the quibble is rubbish before Luna is like, uh, my father is the editor and oh god like this is literally my worst social nightmare something like this happening. And I have had it not happen. I haven't done it. I've had someone do it to me so in my first year of university i didn't get on with my housemates because i didn't go into halls of residence i lived in just a normal house with two girls and like we didn't get on we learned to live with it and then close to the end of the year i had this friend come stay and we had gone shopping in the day and then she was in my room and we were just like looking at what we bought and my housemate comes up because my room was right next to the bathroom and so she comes in the room because she was being nosy and she was like oh what have you bought oh let me see oh what are you doing later like trying to be all nice and then walked out and then a text comes through on my phone Hannah's friend is almost as sarcastic as she is she had tried to text the other girl oh. in our house and had texted me anyway this <laughs> is all a Hermione in this moment not quite <laughs> <laughs> not quite but, but yeah yep oops wrong yeah, message that's always like a way you because the thing is too is, is like even if she didn't know like obviously there's no way she could have known that, like her that luna's dad is like the editor but like clearly luna's reading it so it's yeah probably, you just yeah. don't just don't say anything at all <laughs> yeah it's definitely like it if alone. you don't have anything to say say nothing at all that like hermione yeah. for as smart as she is never got that lesson or never took that lesson on her and she's also like not the best at social interactions like i feel like a lot of people especially put ron down in book like five and six forgetting that hermione especially in book five i'm like she's she's a bit of a bitch in bits of it like it's kind of good because again it's this whole thing she's 15 and she's growing and she's learning and it's good because it's character development but she's also just like doesn't really understand social interactions I mean, the very whole well sometimes. Thing in divination about the damn bunny, like it's just like yeah. Oh my god! 
Leave him alone. Like, well, you don't really know that, that that was the prediction. It's like, it doesn't matter. The bunny's dead. The bunny is dead. Yeah. Either way. Just either let way. Let her breathe. Please. <laughs> Stop. Then, obviously, obviously, because it's a train ride on the way to Hogwarts, Malfoy arrives because we literally cannot get a train to Hogwarts without Malfoy arriving. Mm-hmm. He has to say hello to his boyfriend. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but, so he mentions a comment about dogging your footsteps and Harry assumes it's about Sirius. When they leave the train, there's a woman's voice in the cell of Hagrid's, which is Professor Grubbly Plank. So they're all like, where's Hagrid? Where's Hagrid? And then Harry goes to the carriages and sees that they are no longer horseless, but there are big skeletal bat horse things, which lead to a whole thing where he asks Ron, what are those? And Ron's like, I don't, I don't see them. I don't know what you're talking about. And Harry realizes only he can see the skeletal bat horse things. Until Luna says something. And then he's like, oh no. Uh, <laughs> also, textually, awful. it says that Ginny is just holding Crookshanks loose, not in a cage. And I'm like, what the? Why, why would you hold a cat like that? <laughs> Put the cat in a basket. <laughs> Chapter 11 The Sorting Hat's New Song. So the carriages, led by these bat horse things, which, by the way, Luna says she can see, and they've always been there, but Harry can't see. Someone could have warned him. Why did no one warn him? Like, it's it very said. weird that it's just not known. Like, yeah, it, it yeah. it's one of those things where I mean, not that it is. It's I think it's believable, right? Like, there are times in which, like, I especially with like quarantine and stuff, we've had these conversations more often where like teachers will just assume something about like everyone's mm. experiences, and that's not true, and like you have to. Yeah you know make sure to say like i forget there was like a conversation about it and it was like tell your guardians or tell the adults in your house instead of saying tell your parents because some kids live with their grandparents or some people live with yeah you know they they don't have their parents and so we just assume that like kids have these like parents or that they have like a two family two parent household right and that is not always the case and then also a lot of times the, the adults in their households may not be their parents so I feel like this is very, like, believable, but it's also just, like, bad that we just assume that these children have never, like, experienced anything that would have them see Thestrals. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Or that this is not a school and this is a teachable moment in general, like, common. <laughs> maybe, like, Hogwarts of History could say, like, the characters are pulled by well, Thestrals. I think it does. Or, I think that's how Hermione knows that they're Thestrals. Like, she knows that they are because she read them in, in, a, in a book, but, like, we should, book, like, it but... shouldn't, you should not just <laughs> leave it to the child showing up in right. school. Some yeah. kids are like, yeah. oh, those are horseless carriages. And others are like, no, nah, man, they're, they're death, like horses. death horses. Because like, contextually, contextually, Neville has seen them the whole time. Like Neville yeah. saw and, like, his aunt die and has always seen them. So like, but I suppose it wouldn't come up in conversation because to Neville, everyone can see them. So why would he mention it? Like, right. it's no, only because Harry has had it halfway through a schooling yeah, time. But, or you don't want to be the person who's like, yeah, I saw my aunt die. I saw my mom die. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because that's like a part of it too. I feel like it's really not fair on like first years because like, if you think about it, there's bound to be like a first year and like don't get me wrong like i know that they get the boats but you think they would also like see the carriages that other kids are getting onto like and could you imagine like being that first year and like you've seen someone die and then you're like oh those horses are creepy and people like 
What horses? What horses? What horses? Right. Your reputation is well, immediately ruined. That's Luna, Everyone's right? Gonna Luna think says weird she's kid. seen them. She's always been able to yeah. see them. And mm-hmm. we know that Luna doesn't have the kind of filter to be like, oh, socially, I shouldn't bring this up. Like, Neville probably, like, is so terrified that he doesn't talk to anyone. And he is, like, right. does not offer up conversation until he, like, sees mm. how the conversation's going. Yeah. But Luna is probably like oh, the whole fresh things. off the boat. Like, look at the yeah. horses and the, you know, and right. everyone's like that loony. You know what I mean? And that yeah. might have been where it came yeah. from. Whereas they could just yeah. acknowledge the fact that those things exist, whether you exist. see them or not. Exactly. I feel like we've just discovered Luna's origin story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it is really cruel on the teacher's part to not be like, do you know what? Some of these kids can probably see them and we should maybe say something about the fact there are horses here so that we don't like outcast children without them knowing. Exactly. Yeah, but that would go against Dumbledore's pedagogy and wanting to have maximum mess yeah. at all times. Yes. And Chaos. like the, the foundations <laughs> of the wizarding world, which is like, does this make sense? Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. do the other 100%. thing. So they head to the Great Hall and they're all worried about Hagrid because he's not at the table. Harry spots Umbridge and explains who she is. And she is wearing a fluffy pink cardigan and matching Alice band over her robes. I wanted to call out some language here. Like, so we talk a lot, the way that Harry views people, especially like when he first interacts there with them and that he mm. kind of has this system of working out if someone's good or bad based on their physical appearance and also like whether they how they take part in gender norms basically Mm -hmm. and we kind of have this running joke with it where whenever harry meets a new person we rank them out of 10 on how much harry wants to fuck them and (sighs) that basically then correlates to how much they are as a good person you know as an example serious 10 out of 10 very good person harry really wants to fuck him and like so we we've had this moment already with umbridge where harry has you know seen her in the in the trial and being like you know zero out of ten would not fuck and you know clearly not a good person because of that but when he sees her again for the second time he actually describes her internally as looking like someone's maiden aunt and i wanted to to, like specifically bring up this language because like it's really gross how he's basically like this is not like a person that is sexual to me and she looks like a maiden aunt like the absolute like misogyny behind this term like, yeah. I just thought it was, like, particularly, like, even for JK, a particularly, like, moment. Because if we, yeah, because mm-hmm. if we unpick maiden aunt, it comes from times, like, if we're talking Regency Victorian, aunts who would never be married and that would therefore chaperone the younger ladies mm-hmm. because they had never been married. That's that's the origin of a maiden aunt. So then when she talks, she's described as speaking in a high-pitched, breathy and little girlish voice. And this mixed with her clothes, which is fluffy and pink, is quite a forced, very outward display of classic femininity and i'm using a lot of air quotes which the podcast can't see because it's an audio medium but i'm using a lot of air quotes of classic femininity that then juxtaposes her later character because what you expect from classic femininity is that women women who have qualities that don't ally them with positions of power and we often criticize femininity when we talk about women in positions of power because we expect strong women to basically have the same characteristics as men. We praise strong women because they are like men. And J.K. Rowling has a really, really bad habit of criticizing feminine women. Umbridge, Lavender, Fleur. But Lavender and Fleur are almost 
real feminine. Their femininity doesn't seem to be fake. It seems to be a real part of their personality. And they have somewhat of a redemption in the books. Like, Fleur kind of, J.K. Rowling's like, she's brave. Whereas Umbridge femininity seems to be really forced. And like, growing up, I was like, this really interesting evil character thing. Like, this is really cool display of like what it means to put on femininity or put on masculinity whatever gender you are but now knowing what we know about jk rowling it just makes me extremely uncomfortable Mm. because she's demonizing someone using outward over-the-top displays of femininity which just seems anti-trans now what we know about jk rowling and I'm like, I mean, I fuck. She really deeply dislikes women. Just, she really like, does. It's it's like <laughs> one of those things where like I didn't notice it until again. Like obviously, when you're a kid, you're just reading yeah. books, and you're like, this is what it is. But she dislikes women very much, and like, and I think it's very clear in that. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with Umbridge, like on the surface or like at the face of it, being like feminine, and like I feel like that's fine. And honestly, like cool that's a part of her characterization but it's just the way like you all were saying like the way that it's characterized is all it's always in the negative and it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable and it's supposed to make you be like okay what is she hiding like it's performative Mm. um it doesn't feel genuine at all and like but it's not the fact that she's like not genuine that's like the emphasis the emphasis is on the like frilly bow and the pink and the like you know all this stuff while at the same time talking about how she looks like a toad so it's like just yeah it it's really uncomfortable and it's one of those things where like i mean i very much do not like umbridge and you know she absolutely deserves most of the bad things that come to her <laughs> it yeah it's always very much hinged on like what her femininity and that being like the part that's Umbridge to me is very interesting because she very starkly is an example of what you think, what I thought of J.K. Rowling informing how I read Umbridge one way and then what I know now informing her in another Mm -hmm. way, which is Mm -hmm. that like at a certain point, by the time that we like started Wizard Team again and we were reading these, I was like, yeah, her views on femininity are wrong and like messed up. But we, at the beginning, still had this thought of, like, oh, she's this, like, liberal, progressive person. And so I had I had been reading Umbridge as someone weaponizing femininity. And I thought, like, oh, this yes, is very that interesting was my reading. that she has this character who so obviously weaponizes this thing. And being a Black woman and being someone who has been on the uh, receiving end of weaponized femininity... I was like, that's very brave of her. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. knowing what we know now and something that I think that's like not talked a lot about in like all of her diatribes in that first essay that she did, um, which don't go read it. You, there's plenty of write-ups, whatever. It is it. <laughs> full of garbage. But she does note that had she had this knowledge of transness, she might have been tempted to transition, which is like Joe... Mm-hmm. Anne Rowling has deep-seated gender feelings and and issues within herself that she has decided to not be introspective about at all and instead Mm -hmm. push on to other people. Which I think is like something that is very not talked about a lot is like a lot of this is her own gender crisis that she has that she needs to look at. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if 20, 30 years down the road, we find out 
even more of how messed up like her understanding of her own identity is but in doing that I think in it's very much in like the sense of all of these like closeted lawmakers and we have this in America I don't know if you have this much in Britain but like especially at a certain point we'd had a lot of these like closeted lawmakers being very anti-gay and and pushing a lot of anti-gay legislation and then come to find out like they're just having this like they're playing out their own sexual identity crisis and like harming untold Mm -hmm. number of others because their own deep-seated issues and so I think that that's like one of the really interesting things about Umbridge is like especially for adults who are reading it or rereading it like I started reading these books when I was a kid and as a kid I had was one you know all the characters that are bad or ugly and Voldemort used to be good looking and charming. And then the more evil he got, the worse looking he is. And Umbridge looks like a toad and Millship Bullshit looks like an ogre and you know, like all of the stuff. And it's very flat and like uneasy to understand. And then you grow up and you're like, okay, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And then you understand more about who JK Rowling is. And you're like, okay, it's much more complicated than that. (laughs) But the bottom line is that I think that we have to like in the story like yes Harry has these like they look like this they mean this but like you have to remember like who wrote this you know and so how that informs how Harry perceives these people because there is something to weaponizing femininity and using that and like that girlish voice and stuff like that to make someone who is actually deeply harmful and predatory seem innocent you know what I mean like she has these girlish laughs like every time she says something like very violent she then like follows it up with a little giggle like a little like Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and like (laughs) there's a there's a gaslighting in that and there's also a like I there's no way I could be as dangerous as I actually am because look at how dainty I am um yeah yeah I don't know it's just that woman needs therapy those were some incredible points like incredible can I just say like I I couldn't agree more about JK Rowling's gender crisis like I read a really amazing Twitter thread about it um that if I if I can manage to find I will link below um and I think that like it's it's really conflicting because like you you don't want to buy into that trope of like oh homo all homophobic people are gay and all transphobic people are trans like you, you don't want to buy into that but at the same time you know going off you know what she has written herself you know about gender and then also like when you look at the amount of like hatred for women in the books like it's constantly prevalent like we have to call it out constantly Mm -hmm. and it's just like you have this woman that self-confessed has questions about her own gender who who seems to really have some kind of deep-rooted hatred for women and it definitely raises a lot of questions like as much as you don't want to buy into that oh like she must be trans because she hates trans people trope like Mm -hmm. that like thank you for bringing that up because that is like an absolutely amazing point yeah and i think like the whole thing about hating hating women and like in some ways like especially when i was younger and we didn't know as much about jk rowling like i i viewed it similarly that she was using femininity as a weapon and also that like harry potter in a lot of ways was like feminist and there was a lot of like strong female characters but as i get Mm -hmm. older like i realized that a lot of those strong female characters 
are strong because they are displaying qualities that we view as positive in males. So there's just so much to unpack in. Yeah. Yeah. In J.K. Rowling's view of what is what is good and acceptable for women, what is good and acceptable for men, and it's a lot. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot. Yeah. I mean, I remember but... like, uh, I mean, now it's it's like it was like pre before Wizard Team, like reading something, and they were talking about like how sexist Harry Potter was, and at the time, I was just like, I, I wasn't even mad. I was more just like, did I miss something? Like I've read these yeah. books like so many times that I did not clock it, and then, but part of it was also like all those times that I had read it, I was a kid, and so then like when I finally read it as an adult for the first time was when we were doing Wizard Team, and so it was just like, oh wait, no, yeah, like she has some some problems that she needs, and even if it's not like her <laughs> own like. Even if she's not having her own like identity crisis, it's very. It definitely is a lot of internalized misogyny for sure. Yeah. At the very 100%. least, like on the baseline, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like again, we do not. I do not know this woman, and so I don't want to like say you know our mind read. I'm going off of what she wrote, but like at the baseline, like Bayana said, she has an issue with women and femininity and. It shows so up my... very, very much in these books. So after all that <laughs> very good Umbridge analysis, the Sorting Hat sings a very long song. First thing we learn is that Hufflepuff were not originally sorted to be loyal and hardworking. They were sorted because they were the leftovers from every other yeah. house. Right. And thanks for all the that rest. one. Right. Four books in, all the rest. You What? <laughs> It's not very nice. The Sorting Hat basically says that the four founders of Hogwarts were made up of essentially like two duos of best friends. So there was mm-hmm. Gryffindor and Slytherin and then there was Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff. And I find this like really interesting because we're sold a lot this story that like Gryffindor is like this some like amazing hero, but like ultimately his best friend was really fucking racist um and therefore yeah. like he is entirely complicit and therefore racist himself by being like oh yeah like that that's fine i'm gonna ignore that like if hannah turned around tomorrow and became really racist i would be like okay we're not friends like <laughs> like it's you can't be best friends with someone that's a massive racist and then be like this amazing like hero character that everyone has to look up to like that's not how things work yeah the way that they like talk about the founder especially like Gryffindor and Slytherin on the one hand like I think maybe it was Chamber I mean I I guess it definitely was Chamber of Secrets um when they were talking to in the book I think it was Bins about the chamber and like it was so interesting just the ways that they kind of talked about how Slytherin became like I guess radicalized for lack of a better term um was just like you know all these muggles were like they like you know wizards were like persecuted at the time and he's like nah we we don't want to do this we're just gonna cut it off and then it went into it it went too far essentially <laughs> it was like sure yeah we should be safe but maybe not like no, don't let any muggleborns in like you know kill all muggles that's doing a lot and so yeah like I think that it's one of those things where like he made good points at the beginning and then it slowly it just became like it like spiraled out of control and Gryffindor and like even the others just kind of like waiting until he creates this murder chamber and then they're like yeah. oh this is probably now you, idea. Idea. <laughs> now you gotta go like that's it <laughs> with the murder <laughs> yeah like it's just so interesting like how they just and I mean like these things also happen in real life but just waiting until it's some like extreme as opposed to mm. 
And I think a large part like of that is that some measure of them agree, like some right. part of them agree with it, with that until because it does Because even he was like, oh, it's extreme. not about muggles. It's about if you're the brave. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. still like categorizing people yeah. um, in a similar way where it's like, that's not the important thing. The important thing is that they're brave. <laughs> Or whatever. Yeah. As opposed to the important thing is that they're human, they have this ability and they need to be learn they need to learn how to teach like harness it. Yeah, like they are magical and you should be teaching them because they're magical. So basically Hufflepuff is the only good one out of four of them. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. So we also learned that the four houses were created to be united, not divided as they are now. And like this is so interesting to me because we know from reading the books that the division in the houses causes the root of all the issues. And the mm-hmm. hat literally says that he's like, society is like this because dividing the houses as I do causes these issues. And A, I wonder what he means by the four houses were meant to be united. But B, this is something that is like seen as a huge issue and the root of all these these problems but is never solved textually within the books. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously the books kind of end, you know, at the end of seventh year, but I would have liked to see in that epilogue, if you're going to write one, like show us something about how ha- how the houses even if they still exist have integrated and changed like i have no problem with the housing system like i was in a house in school but i did not have every lesson every meal time with them like you integrate with other classes because otherwise it's a, it's crazy like it's an insane way to run a school yeah and if you even say like oh it's supposed to be inclusive or like we're supposed to be like a community and we're not supposed to be divided but at the same time like the way that the founders even ended like it's all like y'all the way that they you decided to split it up is inherently divisive yeah yeah like you could have just been like yeah we're gonna name like you know whoever wants to come hang out with me can hang out with me and it could have been just that or like you know whatever or it could have been a random draw or something but the way that they're like no we're we're talking about your specific traits and we want to like emphasize that specific trait in opposition to these other specific traits is like yeah that's just what and it's if you're if you're gonna like divide people you could do it like okay so like your strengths are here and like your strengths are here so like you know if we get everyone in a team together and have the right combination everyone has strengths where everyone else's weaknesses are and therefore like everyone united is like a really powerful team but it's not like that it's literally just like you go in your corner you go in your corner cool fight like i'm just now understanding the fact that in the epilogue which in my brain does not exist (laughs) severus in my brain does not exist is having a right, crisis yes. because what if he's Slytherin and he's bad? And like, how? Like, yeah, like it's been nineteen on, years. So this is the thing. Nineteen we're, we're years literally later. Proving what is this? This is so. This nothing is twenty-five years before that. The, literally, the, nothing the, has the, changed. The, the, the Sorting Hat is saying this is bad and problematic, and we should probably fix this. And then twenty-something years later, Albus Severus, who does not exist goes to his father and says, what if I'm an evil wizard because I'm in this house? So they did not learn anything. No. No. That's the no. thing. Like, if you're gonna write this epilogue, like, well done, you've written an epilogue, write something about how, like, the houses don't really matter anymore. It's just a name thing and they only sleep in the same dormitories and everything else mixed. Like, for God's mm-hmm. sake, like, if you're gonna write this as the core issue of society, which, yeah, if you're raising, because Hogwarts is the only school 
every wizard in Britain and you're causing this division in their brains early on, then this is the root this is one of the root causes. Right. <laughs> then solve it at the end of your bloody book. That's, and then like, you know, there's me. no wonder that in Cursed Child, which also again, as Robin said, doesn't does not exist. exist. <laughs> That there would be more, like, fascism <laughs> popping up. Because y'all have not figured out how to just... Stop the fascism. Just stop it. Just stop. Please. Just stop the fascism. stop I think, like, <laughs> it's a bit similar. Like, we've had, like, lengthy discussions before because, like... You know, not to re-dive into it now, because obviously the entire, like, how self thing as a metaphor is, like, incredibly problematic in itself. Mm -hmm. But I think, like, one of the reasons, like, that it seems particularly problematic is that J.K. Rowling never gives it, like, its ending. It it just, at the end of the books, it's just, like, still a thing. It's not like the whole spew thing happens and something comes of it. It's literally just like, oh, this is an issue. And then, like, I forgot to resolve it. And, like, this is the same thing. She forgets to resolve it. And Mm. therefore, it becomes even more problematic than it would have been. Right, because then it's like, then why even bring it up? If you're just going to be like, this is what it is, and there's nothing wrong. Like, if... yeah. There's some like there is something to say about like there are some there are a good amount of things. I mean, we were just talking about Umbridge that she doesn't interrogate as she's writing, but then there's like things that she starts to interrogate and then decides that it's actually not that big of a deal and it's fine. <laughs> like, yeah, Voldemort's here now, so that's all we care about. She's but, like, like, actually, so this, all of like, those things slavery are, thing like, that was fine, right? Like, like whatever. Like, but like, all of those things are the reason that Voldemort's here, and like to someone who was really interrogating all of the things that she put into these books would have figured out, even if they, even if it wasn't solved, because obviously a lot of these kind of issues are um, really nuanced and complicated and there's not like there's one fix for it, but they at least would have been interrogated by the text and maybe a couple characters. You know what I mean? Like it would have been a discussion that was had and at the end it would have been like, okay, we maybe didn't solve this because that's a, (laughs) lot to do and like the story is about defeating this one like evil or whatever but at least have it be something that is still discussed like okay yeah we're done but we're done with this like big thing but there's still lots of things that we need to resolve and that might not happen on page but an acknowledgement of that would be great yeah because at the end of the day those big things led to the rise of this fascist leader and if you don't solve them you're just gonna get another one like at the end of the day Voldemort did not pop out of nowhere he was born into a society that has so much ingrained prejudice so so much it becomes whack-a-mole with fascists (laughs) right I mean that's like one of the problems with like the new stuff that doesn't we don't, it's one that we don't acknowledge <laughs> it's bad like quality wise content wise it's just not it's not good work but also the fact that like we're supposed to believe that Grindelwald did all of these things and then 50 years later Voldemort did and I mean it again real life like there I found this thing out the other day and it's really messed with my head is like the United States which I've always known as a fascist police state, but we have never not been in war for more than 30 years in our entire existence. We have not gone 30 years, 30 plus years without engaging in some type of war, which is insane, but also the entire basis of our economy and how people gain wealth. So sure, it makes sense, I guess, if we want to continue, you know, whatever. But 
if you're writing, if I'm writing a world in which, and uh, again, Harry Potter is an urban fantasy. It takes place within our world. And there's this little quiet sub pocket of a world that we don't know about, but our larger world exists. If you're writing this and you want to prove a point, the idea that Grindelwald happens and then they just say, oh, that was a blip. And then Mm. 50 years later, Voldemort happens and they say, oh, defeated that. (laughs) Like you wrote this. Like you could say, like, at least in like the Hunger Games, they were like, that's done. Game's over. You know I mean? like, we're yeah. gonna do one last one we just to get our revenge, it. and then that's it. <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing. Like you're the author. If you want to fix it, fix, fix it. it. You can fix it. Like that's that's a worthwhile. Like otherwise, like yeah. why? Other than, I mean, other than like yeah, there's the spectacle of it, and it's like a big deal when Harry is like you know Expelliarmus for the last <laughs> time, and Voldemort falls. But like, what does that even mean if nothing else changes? It yeah. just means yeah. somebody else is going to do it. And, like, that person might not be so obsessed with a child that they mark them as their equal. So then what are you going to do? Like, just... Yeah, mm. 100%. So all that coming back to... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Umbridge then makes a speech about, basically about how she's, as we've called it, Ofsted, about how she's going to interfere at the school, watch it. The government is looking at what Hogwarts is doing, which as we've discussed mm-hmm. is not the worst thing in the world because the school does not run functionally. It's, it's just that Umbridge is not the right person. It's definitely one of those things that like we we talked about um, when we were around this point in Wizard Team mm. and we're just like, they definitely need oversight, but just not for the reason that Fudge thinks. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you definitely should be there, but just not because of Voldemort or whatever Dumbledore is telling you. It's just because it is not run well. Right. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> like there were kids who were petrified two years ago. Someone, and no parents were notified. Yeah. Like, someone died last someone, year. And, someone's like, literally dead. Yeah. <laughs> You had an entire escaped convict teaching children for a full year and no one noticed. No one knew. (laughs) So we were also talking about this when we were doing the thing where it's like if I was a parent and I wasn't steeped in, like if I was Dean's mom, for example, so I'm a muggle and I'm not steeped in the world and I hear that the ministry is taking a bigger hand in it, I'd be like, that makes sense. Like there's some things that have gone on. But we also have like my favorite line, which I don't think happens here, it might happen in this chapter, in which my it's my favorite line in the entire series. Dean Thomas says, of course my mom knows nothing about any deaths at Hogwarts because I'm not dumb enough to tell her. And the yeah. idea that that knowledge is put on a 14, 15 year old to tell their parents is insane. Like, yeah. Yeah. Dean doesn't tell his mom that um somebody died that Cedric died so his mom does not know that's insane that's insane so yeah there was no letters we need more oversight nothing (laughs) yeah Umbridge isn't the right person but the ministry getting involved at Hogwarts is not at its root a bad thing because this school does not function as a normal school and like don't get me wrong like we discussed this um, a bit last episode, but, like, I, I do believe that, like, the state and education should be separate, but, like, well, not separate, but, you know, like, the government should realistically not be getting, like, intensely involved in education. However, mm. it's very different when you only have one school and when that school is teaching people knowledge that could, like, help them kill people. Like, at the end of the day, they're learning magic. Like, this needs to be regulated. Like, why when Tom Riddle, like, was in school, was no one like to the government like 
I think this dude's a serial killer. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like he went on summer his summer vacation. He went to go kill his dad and grandparents. He and then came back yeah. and was just like, oh, what's going Hi. on? Bye. Ready yeah. to take my new level courses? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Like, it's stop okay. educating people I mean, in, f- like, how to kill the when they that, seem like, like they're going to do it. Dumbledore found Tom Riddle and basically was like, this kid is on his way to psychopathy and was like, nah, okay. That's fine. That's fine. I'll just, okay. I'll just scare him with the burning word. And we'll send him back to the same orphanage and we'll send him, like, we know he has magic. We're going to just let him out into the muggle world to go to an orphanage. And then the other thing, sorry, to bring in, again, the new stuff or whatever. But (laughs) if you have unchecked magical ability and you go through a trauma, there is a risk that you can become an obscurus. We've learned this now, Mm. right? Your magic can turn inward and then it you have no control and it unleashes unchecked havoc. That is because... You go through a trauma at a young age with no ability to control your magic. And their response is, well, if that happens, we just kill the kid. As opposed to, let's make sure that doesn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is the most insane thing I've ever heard. Yeah. But also, yeah, like, imagine if Dumbledore, when he came across young psycho Voldemort, was like, you know what? We're going to get this kid not only into Hogwarts, but into therapy. Like, therapy. the whole thing could have been avoided. It would have been fine. First off, we therapy. would figure out, like, he would figure out that he has his entire origin story wrong. Like, we, we learned this yeah, in, he- like, Goblet of Fire. And he's like, my mom loved my dad and my dad found out that she was a witch and then abandoned her. No. Your mom no. raped your father repeatedly, had him under and then a curse. And when he realized what was happening, and when he, he left. He left because he was being held hostage and being like, and consent knew no place in their relationship. That is what happened. If like, and then the, the, he was born without, like he wasn't born from love. So he doesn't know how to know love. It's like, no. Okay. <laughs> No, that's not. I don't buy into that bullshit. Like, no, that makes sense. No, like that means that like any child born out of like a one night stand or you know whatever, like yeah, it's just a psychopath that goes on a killing (laughs) spree and can't do anything about it. Yeah. No. She just really loves the nuclear family that much. J.K. Rowling is just that passionate about <laughs> the nuclear so family. She's like, like no, yes. If you're like born out of any other circumstance, evil. Yeah. Evil. Okay, but even think about this. You could be in a nuclear family and your mom and your dad are going through a rough patch and they fight and they angry fuck each other. Like that is a thing that could happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. And now you're a psychopath. <laughs> and then you're a psychopath. And you grew up in Congratulations, the you're a psychopath. They, they got over it the next day or whatever. They had, like, she finds out she's pregnant. Yeah. They're like, we go to couples counseling and we we're back. But it wasn't love. We're, we're in the, love the, again. The act itself. But you were born out of an angry mating. Oh my gosh. Angry mating. I don't know how to say it <laughs> properly. And you uh, were screwed. There's no hope for you. Wow. You'll never I, know love. I, so after the feast, Harry heads up to his tower and Dean, who I've written Dean, Loveheart and Seamus are there. We learn that Seamus's mum didn't want him to come back to school because of Harry. 
So then Seamus asks Harry what happened the night with Cedric and Harry snaps at him and like I get why he's had a tough day and Seamus didn't maybe ask in the best way but at the end of the day Seamus was asking like a relatively polite question to someone he is friends with and Harry just snaps at him like read the Daily Prophet like your mum does and this entire (laughs) thing where they fall out for a year could have been avoided if he was like oh okay look yeah I will explain like I will explain as much as I physically and like and mentally can to you like but I, as I much think as I have he, the mental capacity. I, I think his back's already up because people have been like really like staring yeah. and whispering from the minute he got on the train. So like I do kind of yeah. kind of get his out outburst. But I also I just find it really unrealistic unre- that Seamus's mum would not want him, him to come back to school, his education because of one student. Like that is just honestly batshit. Like that would not happen. She would maybe be like please keep a distance or maybe she would contact Dumbledore and be like, can they be in a separate dormitory? Or actually, yeah. I guess she doesn't trust Dumbledore, but contact McGonagall or like anything. But you would never pull your child out of the only school available to them because of one student, mm. surely. Right. Yeah, I always assumed it was mostly Dumbledore. I mean, there is the idea though, and I don't know, you guys are British, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like she's <laughs> Irish and so she's already like F the school. And there's like, <laughs> there are like homeschools, you know what I mean? So it's like Seamus mm. being like, I should go to the one accredited school. And she's like, we have options. But yeah. I think the issue for me is that like, Harry's not equipped to tell this story in a very like no. diplomatic way. And Seamus yeah. is not equipped to like understand or comprehend this thing. And the fa- and it just comes back to like the failures of Hogwarts, like, there should be grief counseling. There should have been a conversation. They should not have sent them home for the summer and then come back and pretend as if there's like really no acknowledgement beyond yeah. like the fact that Umbridge get, Dumbledore is there. gives that speech at the very end and then that's at the end of Goblet of Fire and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and there's no like reckoning. I remember this is so embarrassing talking to two British people. This is going to be the most American thing you've ever heard. When I was in high school, we had a live shooter. And so we were in lockdown for a couple of hours and they kept saying like, oh, this is a drill. This is a drill, whatever. And then it like went on for like six, like half, more than half the day. So we were like, I was stuck in like theater class. I'm a theater kid. And we were like, something's not up, but they're not telling us. And then like, armed police came through and like swept our classroom and then left and we were like this was not a drill nothing happened no one not nothing happened there was someone on our campus with a gun but like no one got hurt but then we just carried on like we finished the day we went home like i had to tell my mom like because they at least they contacted the parents like in terms of like schools on lockdown and so my mom was like oh there was a lockdown was it a you know tell me what it felt like or whatever. And so we had that conversation and then I went to school the next day and I went to class and like, I think about it every once in a while. Like um, there was a, at my, in my school district, there was a school shooting um, like that year or the year before, I'm not sure. So we had like things in place because there was a school shooting that happened. And I think about it every once in a while, like that happened to me and that was insane. We just carried on and it was like, I get, in the sense somehow like the keep calm carry on they're like you know don't let the terrorist win but i shouldn't be like years out of high school and randomly being like yo that was that was wild like that yeah like 
we should have been able to talk to someone. And I think that, like, in this case, like, someone did die and someone that they, you know, knew and or looked up to and had spent an entire year celebrating Cedric and then he's just not there anymore. And so there's, and so I think that that's also, like, a really big deal is, like, part of the reason why it goes so badly in this conversation is because Harry's not equipped. He's not been, he has not had any, like, recognition of like the trauma that he's gone through and no one is he's he has no coping mechanisms whatsoever and he their reaction was like let's cut him off for three months so he's still like getting over that that'll help Seamus isn't equipped and he has no idea and then like they've spent the last all of them have spent three months in just like complete like uncertainty so it was never gonna go well you know what I mean like it just and it's like Harry I'm putting the onus on Harry to explain it to Seamus but like because I kind of think, oh, you know, they shouldn't ask in-depth questions. But at the end of the day, if you're not like that close to Cedric, like people are going to be curious about what happened and that's not their fault. But the owner shouldn't be on Harry to explain it exactly. to them because somebody else should have been there to talk them through it. And someone should have been with Harry to say, like, this isn't your fault and this is not your burden, but people are going to be looking at you differently or people are going to, like, want to ask you questions and this is how you can deal with the trauma that that brings up because mm-hmm. every time like he's gone through like the train where he says like people are staring at him and talking about him and his brain is like oh they've been reading all these profit articles about how i'm unhinged and a liar but also part of that too is like he was he brought cedric's body back to school so like <laughs> right regardless of whether he wants to be the person or not like people are going to be looking at him for answers that he doesn't have and there should have been someone qualified to be like this is how like let's develop some coping skills <laughs> around 100%. this because this is inevitable so then Seamus and harry end up in a bit of a fight ron enters and completely sticks up for harry and like I love this moment because we have a lot of bad Ron moments in book five and book six. Mm -hmm. And this is a really, really nice moment where he's friends with Seamus. Like he likes Seamus and he's like, no, shut up. Does anyone else have a problem with Harry? You can talk to me. Like he is also like he I think he even mentally knows Harry is not equipped to talk about this. You can come to me if you want to say something. And I'm like, yes, Ron, this is like a good friend. Yeah, there are like Ron has some of these moments and I feel like they get lost as mm. the books go on because he Turns then also has thing. like really terrible moments. <laughs> like he just like he just be like he gets real insecure and that becomes the like main kind of thing that happens with him. But like he really does have these good moments where he's like, nah, this is my friend and if you have something to say about him, you could just come talk to me and we can fight. Like that's fine. Like leave yeah. him out of it. Like we'll fight. <laughs> like I yeah. really appreciate that. And this was like definitely one of those moments where Harry needed somebody to like step in and like kind of handle that because again like we were talking about like he can't he's not equipped at this moment to like handle going through that um conversation yeah i also just love dean in this moment as well like he really walks an amazing line between like not getting angry at seamus because seamus is his friend but Mm -hmm. not siding with the others either he's just like leave it guys like i'm stop like i i like that he never really picks sides like he joins the da and remains friends with Seamus. He walks mm-hmm. this amazing line. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also a great point to Dean, again, my favorite line of the entire series about his parents being muggles, but also Dean just kind of saying, like, 
in a very subtle way. Like, this is something that you should, like, your parents shouldn't inform your life at Hogwarts. You know what I mean? Like, your Mm. parents aren't here. Like, shame is here. You can respect your mom and her opinion, but, like, she's not here. She's not going to be here every day. Like, you have to get along with people you live with kind of Whew, and that is the end of the chapter oh my gosh <laughs> we also had neville being a badass can i just say neville helps stick up oh yeah he's yeah. just like yeah. me and my grand believe harry yeah and yeah, i think like, like i love this because we always have this thing with neville where he's supposed to have this glow up where he suddenly becomes brave but he's always been brave mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i feel like like even though it's, like, sort of a surprise by the time we get to Deathly Hollows, like, I do actually think that she does that arc well. Like, it's yeah. a surprise, like, oh, wow, Neville's, like, out here. But you, there have been things building up to get to the point where you're like, yeah, I could see Neville deciding that he's gonna, like, really make a more, like, explicit stand. This is definitely the yeah. book in which people start to, like, put lines in the sand and, like, figure out, like, yeah. what they're willing to stand up for and take and not take and, like, ways large and small. And, unfortunately, Harry is kind of, like, the middle of that. And, like, am I going to be his friend? Or am I going to listen to the things against him? Am I going to be antagonistic? Am I going to mind my own business? You know what I mean? Like, a lot of it centers around mm-hmm. Harry as a person. But it is a good, like measure of their growth and like who they're going to become as things only get harder and murkier and more dangerous yeah so thank you guys so much this was really really great would you like to spend a bit of time telling us all about your guys podcast yeah so robin and i co-host wizard team which is a harry potter podcast where initially we were going through chapter by chapter And that took like four something years. And then we went into like post-canon stuff. And then more recently we've been doing what we call Wizard Team in the Time Room, where we have guests come on and choose a moment in the series to change. And then we kind of like walk through what would happen if that moment in time changed and like what that would mean for the characters and the story and all that kind of stuff. Wizard Team is, it's it's like one of... a thousand things that we do so it's housed under black girls create which is a hub for black nerds and creators so we do a bunch of programming around that including highlighting um black women creators we have a fan fiction project called hogwarts bsu have essays that people contribute and write we're um, publishing an anthology pretty soon um it's just it's lots of things but wizard team i think is where a lot of folks have found us um, and like through that and then branch out into all the other like things that we do and work on. And we also have a big month coming up. February, we celebrate Black Wizard History Month. And so we'll be having like challenges, new content all around magic and community. We're branching, branching out from just being solely dedicated to Harry Potter and magic, but like just fantasy, magic, um and blackness and we celebrate that every with something new every day of the month of february so if you check us out on twitter you'll be able to see a lot of things that we do there yeah and we're trying to get better with instagram so probably there too yes instagram is a thing it's a place that we we have stuff on it's a place that we do things occasionally (laughs) when we remember but we're trying to be better about it 
I love that. I'm excited to see everything in February. And yes, all of your social media links will be linked down below for everyone to find and check out. Well, thank yeah, you guys thank so you. much for coming on. Yeah, you guys do such incredible work. Like, Yeah, thank you for thanks having us. Thanks for having us. This is really fun. We're so honoured that you would come on, honestly. Yeah. yeah. This was great. This was fun. This was really fun. Yeah, it really yeah. was. So much fun. Yeah, hopefully we'll yeah. do something again soon. And yeah, everyone go check them out. So thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons Sophie, Chantelle, Sandra, Veronica, Katie, Matalib, Catherine, Samuel, Vera, Rhiannon, Jacqueline, Kristen, Harrison, Alexia, and Matt. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon, where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.